0: Uh, It's a privilege to get to be back uh, with you again and uh, love uh, Shofar, love the uh, the folks, and uh, just that you've allowed me uh, in as well, and so um, I got to bring uh, Diane with me uh, this time. She's the reason that I get invited back most places, so I thought I would better bring her this time, so just in case. uh, uh, You know, really uh, want to just share a very simple message tonight. Every one of us has a story. You've got a story, I've got a story, and our stories are not all the same. Some of you have this phenomenally incredible, amazing story. And some of you, you know, you're like me. Your story's kind of boring, really. It's just been, uh, you know. But everybody has a story. And everybody has a story that God wants to write into, I love Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for it's by grace we've been saved through faith and that not of ourselves, a gift from God, not of works that any of us do. I love that God extends his grace to us. And if Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is true for you, so is verse 10 that says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ to do good things that God has prepared in advance. In other words, there's a part of his story that he's counting on you writing. But it starts when we allow him to help us find a better story. I don't know anybody, anybody, who doesn't want a better story. And I wanna look at a story tonight that we find in John chapter 11, a scene in Jesus' ministry that I think is fine. If you got your Bibles or get on your phones, jump over to John 11, and in this account, we get the story of Lazarus. Now, I don't know if you know the stor- story of Lazarus or not. A couple of weeks ago, Dine and I were with our grandkids. Since I was here last, we've had four additional grandkids. One week, we got two. It was amazing. In Facebook, I posted their pictures. And then the next week, I said, last week, two grandkids. This week, nothing. <laughs> and uh, we were playing games, and our 10-year-old uh, granddaughter Addie is competitive and uh, I love that about her the apple didn't fall too far from the tree her dad's competitive and his apple didn't fall too far from the tree I'm competitive and so when we're playing with our kids you know the three-year-old two-year-old all that, it's like for me hey you buck up and play this game straight up because I'm not letting you win because they got to learn some disappointment and they may as well get that out of the way early from my perspective <laughs> And so we're playing this game, and it's a a game called Farkle. It's a dice game, and you keep score, and it takes a while to get up to 10,000 points, and whoever gets 10,000 points wins, and when the person gets to 10,000 points, whatever points they have over 10,000, everybody else gets one more turn, a chance to see if they can win. And so my 10-year-old granddaughter, Addie, had lost, we were on vacation, had lost three nights in a row, and she'd lost to her 5-year-old sister, Who would say, I'm a really good roller. You want me to teach you? As she would throw the dice on the table. And then if she won, she would ask if she could take the score sheet to bed. So she might be a little competitive as well. Addie finally gets to 10,000 points. Her sister, Sadie, is next to roll. She's only got 1,000 points. This is a tough game to get points at. She starts rolling. First roll, she gets 1,500 points. The next roll, 2,000 points. She's five. The entire family is now cheering for her. She's 10. She'll get over it. Hang on. The older one is gone, and and she keeps rolling and rolling, and now she's got one more roll that if she gets the dice right, she's going to get over 10,000 points. And I say, this is the greatest comeback since Lazarus. They had no idea what I was talking about exactly at that moment. At least the five-year-old didn't. And she actually uh, got the game, and she won, and she passed the dice. The way it is, you build off the last person's score. And She passed the wife, dice to my wife, Diane, who instead of trying to roll a bad roll, rolled a really good roll, and she won the game. So it was disappointing for everybody at our home. <laughs> John chapter 11. Here's the scene. Let me just set this story up. Jesus is with his followers. It's not too long from the time that Jesus is going to make his way into Jerusalem, and uh, and we know what's going to happen when he gets to Jerusalem this time. This time he has that last meal with his followers. This time he's betrayed by uh, one of his closest. This time he's arrested and beaten and betrayed and drugged outside of a city, and this time he's placed on a hill, and, and he breathes his last, and this time the world gets really dark. This time when he heads into Jerusalem, all the city now is grieving over the loss of of Jesus Except those Pharisees Who'd orchestrated it, Thought they'd gotten what they wanted And then we know the resurrection comes And the power and the hope of that And the scene we see in John 11 Is happening just a short time Before this happens Jesus is with his followers And he gets word that his friend Lazarus There was a family of three Two sisters and a brother And these siblings Had become close friends with Jesus They were in the town of Bethany It wasn't far outside of Jerusalem It appeared that Jesus and his followers often stayed there They were hospitable to him They took care of him Uh, They became friends, close friends And the word comes that Lazarus is sick And Jesus waits Waits before he heads to Bethany He holds on, he holds back And then the word comes that Lazarus has died And Jesus said, well now let's go and he heads down to Bethany and when he gets there, there is heartache and grief and disappointment and there's, there's all the mixed emotions that go in the loss of somebody you care about. And for those of us who don't know the story and I didn't know the story for a long time, uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian family and so when I first read this, it was an amazing story. I'm gonna give you the spoiler alert, Lazarus is coming back in just a minute before the story's over, okay? So, so hang on, if I ruined it for some of you, just hang with me here, okay? And as this story unfolds in John chapter 11, what we see is this big deal story. Can you imagine now Lazarus coming back from the grave? And he's at a party like two weeks later. And his friends are saying, yeah, you know, I just closed a big deal. I just got a camel that's got like twin horsepower engines in it. I got. And Lazarus says, yeah, I was dead. I came back. He would have like the killer story every time, right? You couldn't like top this story. And, and here's the deal Lazarus gets a better story. Do you know we only have recorded 33 specific miracles of Jesus? Now the Bible tells us he did a lot of things that, that the sky couldn't contain, all the things if they were written down. But only three, 33 recorded. We make a big deal about the miracles. But the miracle is always a billboard in the Bible, it's always pointing us to something. The message is always bigger than the miracle. Because Jesus did not empty every cemetery he went by. He didn't grant every request that he heard. He didn't respond to every issue that came across his path. So what's the message in this miracle we see of Lazarus coming out of the grave? I think it's this, that God wants you to have a better story. But there's some things that get in the way of a better story. If we're going to see a harvest in our communities... If we're gonna see a harvest in our workplaces, in our schools, in our our cities, our neighborhoods, first I need to find a better story and then I need to live that better story and I wanna help my friends and my neighbors find a better story. But there's some stuff. There's some stuff that keeps me from a better story and so let me pick it up from there. So now we know Lazarus is already dead, Jesus is now heading down but here's how it starts. Down in verse 14, so then Jesus said to his disciples plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I wasn't there so that you might believe, but let us go to him. And then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, Thomas was one of the followers. Thomas uh, was the one that we know ended up when when Jesus died and Peter and the others came back and said he's resurrected. They they were like, Thomas like, "Eh, eh, no, I'm not buying that. Not not till I can see him Not till I can touch him Not till I can stick my hand in his wound I don't believe it Thomas Thomas is a little bit of a doubter here Truth is I kind of like Thomas Because I've had a lot of doubts along the way One of the things that gets in the way of me Having a better story is fear And it's ugly twin doubt And Thomas Says to Jesus To his friends Let's go with him that we might die with him. Now, man, the territory had turned hostile. The Pharisees had ramped up the heat. They didn't like the things Jesus was doing. It was dangerous. It was a difficult time. This wasn't like a cakewalk into Jerusalem for him that was coming up. This was hard. And Thomas called it for how he saw it. I, I, I'm going to go, but we're going to die. You know, every group I've ever been a part of, every staff I've ever worked with, every project I've ever been on, every team that I've ever been in, there's always an Eeyore on the team. We'll go, but this isn't gonna work. I guess we could try, but I don't really see how. We'll go with ya, we're gonna die. Love the vision, don't see how it's gonna happen. Doubt's real. Fear's what drives doubt sometimes. Now, I'm not talking about when we get frightened. When we get frightened, fright, be, I'm talking about being terrified sometimes. I, I think the disciples here were starting to open their eyes about some terror that was coming their way. We've been frightened, haven't you? We have a little uh, dog. Uh, it doesn't even hardly qualify for a dog. It's a multi-poo. It's, it's, you know, it's white, fluffy, you know, does that thing. It's not really a dog, but but... And a little neurotic, actually. And, and uh, loves my wife. And we made the mistake of allowing our dog to sleep in our bed. Big mistake. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I'm using we in a kind of a collective sense. <laughs> and the only time the dog wants to be near me is during a thunderstorm. <laughs> Sucks right up against me. So we, are, we had been uh, in the lake that day, uh, swimming around. We'd showered the dog off. Because Diane was giving the dog a shower, she took his collar off with all his little stuff that you can hear him when he's roaming around the house. And uh, and now he's in bed with us in this massive uh, Missouri. Uh, we were vacationing in Missouri where the Missouri uh, thunderstorm starts running. I mean, the kind that shakes the house when the thunder hits, that kind of thunderstorm. And Charlie is sucked right up against me. Well, I've gotten a little older, and so occasionally... Um, more often than I care for in the middle of the night I need to make a pit stop. <laughs> and for those of you few who are in that same category, you know you 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 open as much ability to be barely above sleep to go use the restroom so that when you come back you can go right back to sleep. <laughs> so I'm in the restroom using the restroom thunderstorm raging My dog Charlie had jumped off the bed. I didn't hear him, no collar. This again is my wife's fault. (laughs) Big thunderclap and Charlie licked my leg. (laughs) And what you think happened did. Hey, oh, hey. I can promise you this, you do have to wake up to clean the restroom. There's a difference in fear, being frightened, and a difference in that fear that's deep, right? The fear that pushes us away from God, that fear that grabs at our heart, that fear that clouds our vision, that fear that keeps me from a better story. Fear and doubt will do that. Doubts are legit. Questions are real. But when I am holding back from the life God wants me to live, because of my fear and my doubt, I'm missing out on a better story. There's a lot of things to be afraid of today, aren't there? You don't have to turn television on long. News is never good. Political stuff happening all over the world. Uh, Economic uh, disparity, Racial tension, ethnic tensions, social tensions, disease, heartache, the news is never good. a Lot of stuff to be afraid of. But what fears right now are keeping you from a better story? What doubts right now are keeping you from allowing Christ to write a better story in your life? Here's the second thing. Uh, Disappointment can keep me from a better story. Lazarus had been dead for four days when Jesus finally shows up. Lots of friends have come. They they brought the bean casserole thing over and they've hung out with the sisters and they've dropped by and they've shared their condolences. And Jesus is walking toward their house and Martha goes out to meet him. Down in verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Do you hear her words? We sent word to you. We've seen you do some amazing things. The stories come back even when we're not with you about all that you have done. If you had been here, if you'd been here, if you'd showed up like we expect, if you'd come like we had anticipated, if you'd been the friend we thought you were, If you'd been here, Lazarus wouldn't be dead. I was in my dorm room. It was uh, end of semester December. And uh, the dean from the school uh, came into my room. It was about 9.30 at night. And he said, I think you should call home. I call home to find out that my sister, who was 18 had been killed in a car accident that evening with a drunk driver. I hadn't been a Christian very long. She had been a Christian not long after me. Some of the disappointments we have when God doesn't do what we think he should do. How would you fill this blank in? If God were God, he would what? Fix a relationship for you, get you in a relationship, help you with a job, help out your finances, cure some illness you have going on, resolve some crisis, get you through some tough period. If God were God, he would what for you? Because the reality is we live in a busted and broken world. We live in a world where Jesus promised that we were going to have some trouble. But the reality is we don't want to have any trouble. And somewhere along the line, some big-haired guy on TV promised you that if you just follow Jesus, you can have everything you want to have in life. You're going to, things are going to be happy and clappy for you. You're going to get everything. The world's going to work your way. And the reality is that does not square with the life most of us are living. Some 39-year-old dads die suddenly of a heart attack. Life isn't always fair. Unmet expectations unrealized dreams. We give our heart and our energy to something. God, we're in. I raised my hand. I'm in. I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna do this thing. I'm gonna launch this ministry. I'm gonna join this team. I'm gonna get involved in this issue. I'm gonna engage this reality. And we step out, and it doesn't go like we thought it should go. And sometimes our disappointment with God can keep us from a better story. Sometimes religion keeps me from a better story. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered and said, I know he'll rise again on the resurrection at the last day. She knew from a child, the hope the Jews had, there'd be this resurrection, there'd be this day when the graves would empty. And Jesus said, don't worry, your brother's going to rise again. And she says, got that. I know. Some of us are really good at the Sunday school answers you know the ones we're supposed to know one of my friends uh, one of the pastors on our church was uh, uh, challenging his son they were getting in an argument he was like four they were and he said to him do you know what you're, well do you know what the, you should do you know what the answer is here and he looked at him and said jesus you know like you know it was actually clean up the milk you would dump. but and we're good at the sunday school answers we're good at checking the boxes. We showed up at church this week. We went to a small group. We attended a prayer meeting. We worshiped with with, with full hearts. We we uh, we did that. And, and then and then and then we go on with the rest of our lives. Because we got the religious box down. And we missed the relationship box that God wants to have. Diane and I uh, left Wednesday from our home the Schedule I was on uh, had us ended up flying Denver to L.A., which is the wrong direction, L.A. to Frankfurt, eight-hour layover, and, uh, and then Frankfurt to Cape Town. A, we got here Friday morning at 10, so it was, a, it, was, it, was a long, it was a long trip. Not the longest journey I've ever made. The longest journey I've ever made is the one that goes from here to here. The one from my head to my heart. It's one thing for me to know. (laughs) Another thing for me to know. One thing for me to get the answers down, the theology right, the verses memorized. Way more difficult for me. Way more challenging for me. To let them shape who I am and how I live, and how I choose, and where I go, and what I do, and who I hang with, and what I watch, and what I read, and what I say. I know. And in just a moment, Jesus is going to say, but do you know? Do you know? So the family's gathered, right? Lazarus is dead. Funeral prep's going on. They've already buried him. They put him in the grave. Jewish tradition, he would have been buried within 24 hours. And and so he says, take me to him. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and he troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord. And they replied, the most well-known memorized verse in the Bible, and then Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Why did he weep? Was he crying like everybody else standing there at the cemetery? Maybe it was his friend. But the truth is he knew what he was gonna do so I don't know if those tears were just that. I think the tears were as he stood and he watched what had been broken. He watched why he'd come. He'd watched this enemy death that steals all of our dreams. He watched people grieving Without answers, and he wept. He wept for you, he wept for me. And so they head to the cemetery. Here's another thing that keeps me from a better story. It's at the cemetery, actually. Obstacles keep me from a better story. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb, and it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said, but Lord said, Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time, there's a, gonna be a bad over, he's gonna stink. I mean, I love this, You know, Martha, you know, she's, she's the practical one. In fact, Mary actually comes to Jesus with the same disappointment. If you'd been here, this wouldn't happen. You got the two sisters, Martha, the more practical one, He's dead, but, you know, it's also, you don't want to open that up, because, you know, it's like, you know, like whew. He's been in there for four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone. I love this scene. I love this picture, because I think this is a picture of what church ought to look like in every community. Jesus says uh, to the people standing there, move the stone. Did he need them to do that? Couldn't he have just gone like that and you know, that big old stone would rolled. Could have done the blink thing and psh, crumbled to dust. He did, not, he did not need their help, did he? He didn't need their help. But I love that God invites me to do the stuff I can do so that he can do the stuff that only he can do. I love that he actually invites me into his story. He gives me a chance to be a part of helping move some stuff for some people. I don't get to save anybody, but I can move some stones out of the way. I love that that he's saying, hey, I need your help. Move that stone. What stones get in the way of you having a better story? What's the obstacles right now from you allowing yourself to hear God's voice, to see the light come through uh, that uh, piercing darkness that existed that you were standing in? Uh, What is getting in your way right now? Because here's the reality. There's likely something And your stuff may not be my stuff, but we all got stuff. And sometimes my stuff keeps me from a better story. And I love this picture that unfolds here. Jesus says, hey, move the stone out of the way. And there's some obstacles that get in the way. And and we live in a world of coworkers and neighbors and friends and mates who who need somebody to help move a stone out of the way. You can't do all the other stuff. You may not be able to actually help explain everything there is about how they're gonna connect with God, but you can certainly open some doors for them. You can certainly create some opportunities for them. You can certainly remove some obstacles for them. But it starts when I let the obstacles that are blocking me from a better story get moved. Sometimes it's grave or the darkness that keeps us from a better story, isn't it? Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here and that they might believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And every pastor I know has has said this line. It's a good thing he killed Lazarus because that entire cemetery would have just dumped out. You know, everybody crawling out of those graves. Lazarus is dead. He makes the trip that every one of us are going to make. Here's an amazing statistic. One out of one of us in this room are going to die someday. (laughs) And here's what's going to happen. When you die, we're going to get together and have a service for you. And somebody like me is going to stand up and say nice things about you. We get paid for that. And we make it up a lot of times to make you look better. And then we're all going to go back to some room back here and eat potato salad. And while we're eating the potato salad, we're going to talk about you, really talk about you. (laughs) What are people going to say then? But the reality is all of us are going to dive in, you know what? Sometimes the grave, the darkness of that grave, keeps me from a better story. I know what I once said at my funeral... I want want the pastor to look down and go, look, he's moving. (laughs) That's what what I want said. (laughs) Because here's the deal. If we're just slightly honest about this, Cornet said it last night, I'm not afraid to die, just not today. My uncle um, and his, my, my favorite relative, my Uncle Dave, we named our oldest after him. I uh, found out he had pancreatic cancer and he had uh, become a Christian. I was the first Christian in my family. And then uh, there's a story of how, how grace changed our whole family. And my uncle had come to Christ and, and now he's 53, 54. He's got pancreatic cancer and he's now nearing the end of his life. And I knew I was going to head out of the country. And so I flew down to Florida to see him and sat with him. And I said, Uncle Dave, are, are you afraid? And I loved his answer. He said, I'm not afraid to die, I know where I'm going. I just don't want to. Got a lot of life I wanna do yet. I wanna watch my kids. And sometimes that great thief death keeps me from a better story. The darkness of the grave Keeps you from a better story. There's a lot of darkness in life, isn't there? There's a lot of trouble. A lot of things that are heavy for us. Some of you came this weekend, and man, you came in with heavy hearts, and I hope the worship and opportunity to be with some friends and gather together has helped lighten that load, but the reality is some of us are gonna go home tonight. It's gonna be pretty dark. Life presses in. Dan and I have seven grandkids, which means we're officially old now. And we love our grandkids. They're awesome. I mean, I'm glad we didn't kill our children when they were growing up. We love our grandkids. And two of our younger grandkids, we got this picture of them. I love this picture of these two. Yeah, isn't that awesome? But look at them. Don't they look like, man, life is hard. <laughs> got a mortgage and kids and I don't know how to, man, it's like... reality is, sometimes things get discouraging, don't they? <laughs> Frustrating. Some of you came in, you're tired, you're worn out, you're beat up, angry, disappointed, ready to just chuck a lot of stuff. And here's what happens sometimes. We watch people up front lead us in worship, or someone speak, and man, they seem like they got it together, and life's always happy, and it's great, and... Really, is 44% of us in the room, if this were a U.S. crowd, I don't know exactly the stats here, but kind of across the globe in the Western culture, they're similar. 44 of us are lonely or extremely lonely. Gets kind of dark sometimes. Dead stuff keeps me from a better story. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is why I think the story of Lazarus is a picture of the church. Jesus says to the people standing there, Hey, move the stone out of the way. He could have done it, he didn't need their help. They move the stone out, he yells, Lazarus. Lazarus comes out of the grave, and then he says to him, Hey, help him get the dead stuff off. Help, help him get out of there. That stuff's heavy, that stuff's burdensome. Help him help remind him, he doesn't live here anymore. Yeah, his zip code hasn't changed yet. It's going to someday, but yeah, not yet. Hey, here's the reality. Get that stuff that mucks up your life. Get that stuff that clouds your heart. Get that stuff that keeps you tethered to a grave. Get that stuff that keeps you in bondage. Get that stuff off of him. Help him do it. And if that's not a picture of the church, I don't know one. Sometimes we remove some obstacles so people can hear the voice of God speaking, but only God can call you out of darkness. Only God can call you out of the grave. Only God can bring you back from the dead. Only God can fix your heart. Only God can heal your soul. Only he does that. And then when someone has said, I'm in, here I come, he's saying to the rest of us, man, help him get cleaned up first. But you know what we do in the church a lot of time? You get your act together, and then, yeah, you know, I heard they do that thing. not the thing I do so it's not a good thing (laughs) when they get their stuff cleaned up change is hard and until you and I are living a better story we're never going to really be able to help anybody else live a better story and so maybe the grave clothes need to come off of us very few of us in this room change when we see the light we change when we feel the heat When the pain of staying like we are is greater than the pain that will come when we make a change. And I'm guessing there's a whole bunch of us sitting in here that need to quit hoping for a better past. That'll hit you on the way home. Man, my life wouldn't be like this if it weren't for boom, 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 all this stuff. I feel bad. But the reality is, whatever it was, it was. And you'll never live a better story staying wrapped in the grave clothes. And so Mary and Martha come to Jesus with the same statement. If you had been here, our brother would be living. And he says... I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life, I am your hope. I am the one who speaks life into the darkness. I am the one who can bring light. I am the one who gives you hope. I am the one who can calm the chaos. I am the one that can bring you out of the grave. I am the one that gives you freedom. I am the one that wants to fix your heart. I am the one who wants to help you write a better story. I am. Do you believe this?